Welcome to Volume 11 of Sky Island. Chapter 26. Trot Celebrates Her Victory. The Blue People, by this time, were dazed with wonder at all the events that had transpired that eventful day. But they still had wit enough to be glad the war was over. For in war, someone is likely to get hurt, and it is foolish to take such chances when one can remain quietly at home. The Blues did not especially admire the Pinkies, but it was easier to entertain them than to fight them. And above all, the Blueskins were greatly rejoiced that their wicked Boolaroo had been conquered and could no longer abuse them. So they were quite willing to obey the orders of their girl queen, and in a short time the blasts of trumpets and the roll of drums and the clashing of cymbals told Trot and Cap'n Bill that the blue bands had assembled before the palace. So they went down and found that a great crowd of people had gathered, and these cheered Trot with much enthusiasm, which was very different from the scowls and surly looks which they had formerly greeted their strange visitors from Earth. The soldiers wore their best blue uniforms and were formed before the palace in marching order, so that Trot and Cap'n Bill headed the procession, and then came the soldiers, all keeping step, and then the bands playing very loud noises on their instruments, and finally the crowd of blue citizens waving flags and banners and shouting joyfully. In this order they proceeded to the main gate, which Trot ordered the guards to throw wide open. Then they all marched out a little way into the fields and found that the army of Pinkies had already formed and was advancing steadily toward them. At the head of the Pinkies were Gip Gazizzle and Button Bright, who had the parrot on his shoulder, and they were supported by Captain Coralie and Captain Tintet and Rosalie the Witch. They had decided to capture the Blue City at all hazards, that they might rescue Trot and Cap'n Bill and conquer the Boolaroo, so when from a distance they saw the Blueskins march from the gate with banners flying and bands playing, they supposed a most terrible fight was about to take place. However, as the two forces came nearer together, Button Bright spied Trot and Cap'n Bill standing before the enemy, and the sight astonished him considerably. Welcome, friends! shouted Cap'n Bill in a loud voice. And, Welcome! cried Trot. And, Welcome! roared the Blue Soldiers and the people of the Blue City. Hooray! yelled the parrot. Welcome to our happy home, from which no longer will we roam. And then he flapped his wings and barked like a dog <laughs> in pure delight and added as fast as his bird's tongue could speak. One army's pink, one is blue, but neither one is in the stew, because the naughty Boolaroo is out of sight, so what we'll do is try to be a jolly crew, and dance and sing our Tularoo, and to our friends be ever true, and to our foes... Stop it, said Button Bright. I can't hear myself think. The Pinkies were amazed at the strange reception of the Blues, and hesitated to advance, but Trot now ran up in front of them and made a little speech. Pinkies, she said. Your queen has conquered the Boolaroo and is now queen of the blues. All of Sky Island except the Fog Bank is now my kingdom. So I welcome my faithful pinkies to my blue city, where you are to be royally entertained and have a good time. 
the war is over and everybody must be sociable and happy or know the reason why. Now indeed the Pinkies raised a great shout of joy and the Blues responded with another joyful shout and Rosalie kissed the little girl and said she had performed wonders and everybody shook hands with Captain Bill and congratulated him upon his escape and the parrot flew to Trot's shoulder and screeched The Pinkies are pink, the Blues are blue, but Trot's the queen, so toolaroo. When the Blueskins saw Gip Gazizzle, they raised another great shout, for he was the favorite of the soldiers and very popular with all the people. But Gip Gazizzle did not heed the shouting. He was looking downcast and sad, and it was easy to see he was disappointed because he had not conquered the Boolaroo himself. But the people called upon him for a speech, so he faced the Blueskins and said, I escaped from the city because the Boolaroo tried to patch me, as you all know. And the six snub-nosed princesses tried to marry me, which would have been a far greater misfortune. But I have recovered the Book of Royal Records, which has long been hidden in the Royal Treasure Chamber, and by reading it I find the Boolaroo is not your lawful Boolaroo at all, having reigned more than his 300 years. Since last Thursday, I, Gip Kazizzle, have been the lawful Boolaroo of the Blue Country. But now that you are conquered by Queen Trot, I suppose I am conquered too, and you have no Boolaroo at all. Hooray! cried the parrot. Here's a pretty howdy-do. You haven't any Boolaroo! Trot had listened carefully to the Major Domo's speech. When he finished, she said cheerfully, Don't worry, Sizzle dear. It'll all come right pretty soon. Now then. Let's enter the city and enjoy the grand feast that's being cooked. I'm nearly starved myself, for this conquering kingdoms is hard work. So the Pinkies and the Blues marched side by side into the city. There was great rejoicing and music and dancing and feasting and games and merrymaking that lasted for three full days. Trot carried Rosalie and Captain Coralie and Gip Gazizzle to the palace and of course Button Bright and Captain Bill were with her. They had the royal chef serve dinner at once, and they ate it in great state, seated in the royal banquet hall, where they were waited upon by a hundred servants. The parrot perched upon the back of Queen Trot's chair, and the girl fed it herself, being glad to have the jolly bird with her again. After they had eaten all they could, and the servants had been sent away, Trot related her adventures telling how, with the assistance of the billy goat, she had turned the tables on the wicked Boolaroo. Then she gave Rosalie back her magic ring, thanking the kind witch for all she had done for them. And now, she said, I want to say to Gip Kazizzle that just as soon as we can find Button Bright's umbrella, we're going to fly home again. I'll always be Queen of Sky Island, but the pink and the blue countries must each have a ruler. I think I'll make Sizzle the Boolaroo of the Blues. But I want you to promise me, Gip, that you'll destroy the great knife and its frame and clean up that room and turn it into a skating rink and never patch anybody as long as you rule the Blueskins. Gip Kazizzle was overjoyed at the prospect of being Boolaroo of the Blues, but he looked solemn at the promise Trot exacted. I'm not cruel, he said. And I don't approve of patching in general, so I'll willingly destroy the great knife. But before I do, I want the privilege of patching the snub-nosed princesses to each other, mixing the six as much as possible. And then I want to patch the former Boolaroo to the billy goat. 
Which is the same punishment he was going to inflict upon your Captain Bell. No, said Trot positively. There's been enough patching in this country, and I won't have any more of it. The old Boolaroo and the six stuck-up princesses will be punished enough by being put out of the palace. The people don't like him a bit, so they'll be outcasts and wanderers, and that will make them sorry they were so wicked and cruel when they were powerful. Am I right, Captain Bill? You are, mate, replied the sailor. Oh, please, Queen Trot, begged Gip Gazizzle. Let me just patch the Boolaroo. It'll be such a satisfaction. I have said no, and I mean no, answered the girl. You let the poor old Boolaroo alone. There's nothing that hurts so much as a come down in life, and I spect the old rascal's going to be pretty miserable just by himself. What does he say to his reverse of fortune? asked Rosalie. Why, I don't believe he knows about it, said Trot. Guess I'd better send for him and tell him what happened. So the captain of the guards was given the key and told to fetch the Boolaroo from the room of the great knife. The guards had a terrible struggle with the goat, which was loose in the room, and still wanted to fight. But finally they subdued the animal, and then took the Boolaroo out of the frame he was tied in, and brought both him and the goat before Queen Trot, who awaited them in the throne room of the palace. When the courtiers and the people assembled and saw the goat, they gave a great cheer for the beast had helped to dethrone their wicked ruler. "'What's going to happen to this tough old warrior, Trot?' asked Captain Bill. "'It's my idea he's braver than the whole Blue Army put together.' "'You're right, Captain,' she returned. "'I'll have Sizzle make a fine yard for the goat, where he'll have plenty of blue grass to eat. And I'll have a pretty fence put around it, and make all the people honor and respect him, just as long as he lives.' "'I'll gladly do that.' promised the new Boolaroo, and I'll feed the Honorable Goat all the shavings and leather and tin cans he can eat, besides the grass. He'll be the happiest goat on Sky Island, I assure you. As they led the now famous animal from the room, the Boolaroo shuddered and said, How dare you people give orders in my palace? I'm the Boolaroo. Excuse me, said Trot. I neglected to tell you that you're not the Boolaroo anymore. We've got the royal record book, and that proves you've already ruled this country longer than you had any right to. Besides all that, I'm the Queen of Sky Island now, which means Queen of the Pinkies and Queen of the Blues. So things are run as I say, and I've made Gip Gazizzle Boolaroo in your place. He'll look after this end of the island hereafter, and unless I'm much mistaken, he'll do a heap better job than you did. The former Boolaroo groaned. What's going to become of me, then? he asked. Am I to be patched or what? No, you won't be hurt, answered the girl. But you'll have to find some other place to stay besides this palace, and perhaps you'll enjoy working for a living by way of variety. Can I take my treasure with me? he pleaded. Not even a bird cage, she said. Everything in the palace now belongs to Gip Gazizzle. Except the six snub-nosed princesses, exclaimed the new Boolaroo earnestly. Won't you please get rid of them too, your majesty? Can't they be discharged or something? Of course, said Trot. They must go with their dear father and mother. Isn't there some house in the city they can all live in, Gip? Well, I own a little cabin on the end of town, said Gip Gazizzle. 
I'll let him use that, as I won't need it any longer. This isn't a very pretty cabin, and the furniture is cheap and common, but I'm sure it's good enough for this wicked man and his wicked family. I'll not be wicked any more, sighed the old Boolaroo. I'll reform. It's always best to reform when it's no longer safe to remain wicked. As a private citizen, I shall be a model of deportment, because it would be dangerous to be otherwise. Trot now sent for the princesses, who had been weeping and wailing and fighting among themselves ever since they learned that their father had been conquered. When they first entered the room, they tried to be as haughty and scornful as ever, but the blues who were assembled there all laughed at them and jeered, for there was not a single person in all the blue country who loved the princesses the least little bit. Trot told the girls that they must go with their father to live in Gip Gazizzle's little old cabin, and when they heard this dreadful decree, the six snub-nosed ones began to scream and have hysterics, and between them they managed to make so much noise that no one could hear anything else. So Gip Gazizzle ordered the captain to take a file of soldiers and escort the raving beauties to their new home. When this was done, the once royal family departed from the palace with shamed and downcast looks. Then the room of the great knife was cleared of its awful furniture. The frames were split into small pieces of blue wood and the benches chopped into kindling and the immense sharp knife broken into bits. All the rubbish was piled in the square before the palace and a bonfire made of it, while the blue people clustered around and danced and sang with joy as the blue flames devoured the dreadful instrument that had once caused them so much unhappiness. That evening Trot gave a grand ball in the palace, to which the most important of the Pinkies and the Blueskins were invited. The combined bands of both the countries played the music and a fine supper was served. The Pinkies would not dance with the Blues, however, nor would the Blues dance with the Pinkies. The two nations were so different in all their ways that they were unable to agree at all. And several times during the evening, quarrels arose and there was fighting between them, which Trot promptly checked. I think it'll be best for us to go back to our own country as soon as possible, suggested Rosalie the Witch. For if we stay here very long, the Blueskins may rise against us and cause the Pinkies much trouble. Okay, just as soon as we find the umbrella, promised Trot. We'll dive into the fog bank and make tracks for the land of sunrise and sunset. Chapter 27 The Fate of the Magic Umbrella The next morning, the search for the magic umbrella began in earnest. With many to hunt for it and the liberty of the whole palace to aid them, Every inch of the great building was carefully examined, but no trace of the umbrella could be found. Captain Bill and Button Bright went down to the cabin of the former Boolaroo and tried to find out what he had done with the umbrella, but the old Boolaroo said, I had it brought from the treasure chamber and tried to make it work, but there was no magic about the thing, so I threw it away. I haven't any idea what became of it. The six former princesses were sitting upon a rude bench, looking quite bedraggled and untidy. And Indigo said, If you make Gip Gazizzle marry me, I'll find your old umbrella. Where is it? asked Button Bright eagerly. Make Gip Gazizzle marry me and I'll tell you. 
replied Indigo. But I won't say another word about it until after I'm married. So they went back to the palace and proposed to the new Boolaroo to marry Indigo so that they could get their magic umbrella. But Gip Gazizzle positively refused. I'd like to help you, but nothing will ever induce me to marry one of those snub-noses. They're very pretty for blueskins, said Trot. But when you marry a girl, you marry the inside as well as the outside, declared Gip Gazizzle. And inside these princesses there are wicked harms and evil thoughts. I'd rather be patched than marry the best of them. Which is the best of them? asked Button Bright. I don't know, I'm sure, was the reply. Judging from their actions in the past, there is no past. Rosalie the Witch now went to the cabin and put Indigo into a deep sleep by means of a powerful charm. Then, while the princess slept, the witch made her tell all she knew, which wasn't a great deal, to be sure. But it was soon discovered that Indigo had been deceiving them and knew nothing at all about the umbrella. She had simply hoped to marry Gip Gazizzle and become queen, after which she could afford to laugh at their reproaches. So the witch woke her up and went back to the palace to tell Trot of her failure. The girl and Button Bright and Cap'n Bill were all rather discouraged by this time, for they had searched high and low and had not found a trace of the all-important umbrella. That night none of them slept much, for they all lay awake wondering how they would ever return to the earth and to their homes. In the morning of the third day after Trot's conquest of the Blues, the little girl conceived another idea. She called all the servants of the palace to her and questioned them closely, but no one could remember having seen anything that looked like an umbrella. Are all the servants of the old Boolaroo here? inquired Captain Bill, who was sorry to see Trot looking so sad and downcast. All but one, was the reply. Tiggle used to be servant, but he escaped and ran away. Oh, right, exclaimed Trot. Tiggle is in hiding somewhere. Perhaps he doesn't know there's been a revolution, and a new Boolaroo rules the country. If he did, there's no need for him to hide any longer, for he is now in no danger. She now dispatched messengers all through the city and the surrounding country, who cried aloud for Tiggle, saying that the new Boolaroo wanted him. Tiggle, hiding in the cellar of a deserted house in a back street, at last heard these cries and joyfully came forth to confront the messenger. Having heard of the old Boolaroo's downfall and disgrace, the man consented to go to the palace again, and as soon as Trot saw him, she asked about the umbrella. Tiggle thought hard for a minute, and then said he remembered sweeping the king's rooms and finding a queer thing that might have been an umbrella lying beneath a cabinet. It had ropes and two wooden seats and a wicker basket all attached to the handle. That's it! cried Button Bright excitedly. That's, That's it! it! cried both Trot and Cap'n Bill together. But what should you do with that? asked Gip Gazizzle. I dragged it out and threw it into the rubbish heap in an alley in back of the palace, said Tiggle. At once they all rushed out to the alley and began digging in the rubbish heap. By and by, Cap'n Bill uncovered the lunch basket, and pulling on this he soon drew up the two seats and finally the magic umbrella. Hoorah! shouted Button Bright grabbing the umbrella and hugging it tightly in his arms. Hurrah! shrieked the parrot. Captain Bill's a lucky fella, cause he found the old umbrella. Trot's face 
was wreathed in smiles. This is just the best luck that could have happened to us, she exclaimed. Because now we can go home whenever we please. Let's go home now, this minute, before we lose the umbrella again, said Button Bright. But Trot shook her head. Not yet, she replied. We've got to straighten out things on Sky Island, first of all. A queen has some duties, you know. And as long as I'm queen here, I've got to live up to my part of the bargain. What has to be did, mate? inquired Captain Bill. Well, we fixed the blue country pretty well by making Sizzle the Boolaroo of it. But the pinkies must be looked after, too, because they stood by and helped us to win. We must take him home again, safe and sound, and get a new queen to rule over him. When that's done, we can go home any time we want to. Quite right, Trot, said the sailor reprovingly. When's do we march? Right away, she replied. I've had enough of the blue country, haven't you? Oh, yes, we have, mate. We've had plenty of it, observed Button Bright. And the pinkies are anxious to get home, added Rosalie, who was present. So Captain Bill unhooked the seats from the handle of the umbrella and wound the ropes around the two boards and made a package of them, which he carried under his arm. Trot took the empty lunch basket, and Button Bright held fast to the precious umbrella. Then they returned to the palace to bid goodbye to Gip Gazizzle and the Blues. The new Boolaroo seemed rather sorry to lose his friends, but the people were secretly glad to be rid of the strangers, especially the Pinkies. They maintained a sullen silence while Coralie and Captain Tintet formed their ranks in marching order. They did not even cheer when Trot said to them in a final speech, I'm Queen of Sky Island, you know, and the new Boolaroo has got to carry out my orders and treat you all nicely while I'm away. I don't know when I'll come back, but you'd better watch out and not make any trouble, or I'll find a way to make you all sorry for it. So, now, goodbye. Good, Good riddance! riddance! Screamed the six snub-nosed girls, who had once been princesses, and who were now in the crowd that watched the departure. But Trot paid no attention to them, she made a signal to the pinky band, which struck up a fine pinky march, and then the army stepped out with the left foot first, and away went the conquerors down the streets of the Blue City, out of the Blue Barred Gateway, and across the country toward the Fog Bank. Chapter 28 The Elephant's Head Comes to Life When they reached the edge of the Fog Bank, the Pinkies all halted to put on their raincoats, and Button Bright put up his umbrella and held it over himself and trot. Then, when everybody was ready, they entered the fog, and Rosalie the Witch made a signal to call the Frog King and his subjects to aid them, as they had done before. Pretty soon the great frogs appeared, a long line of them facing Trot and her pink army, and sitting upon their haunches close together. Turn around so we can get upon your backs, said Rosalie. Not yet, answered the Frog King in a gruff, deep voice. You must first take that insulting umbrella out of my dominions. Why? What is there about my umbrella that seems insulting? asked Button Bright in surprise. It's an insinuation that you don't like our glorious climate and object to our delightful fog, 
and are trying to ward off its soulful clinging kisses, replied the Frog King in an agitated voice. There has never been an umbrella in my kingdom before, and I'll not allow one in now. Take it away at once. But we can't, explained Trot. We've got to take the umbrella with us to the pink country. We'll, we'll put it down, if you like, and cross the bank in this drizzle, which may be clinging and soulful, but it's too wet to be comfortable, and the umbrella's got to go with us. It can't go another inch, cried the obstinate frog with an angry croak. Nor shall any of your people advance another step while that insulting umbrella is with you. Trot turned to Rosalie. What shall we do? she asked. I really don't know, replied the witch, greatly perplexed. Can't you make the frogs let us through? inquired the boy. No, I have no power over frogs, Rosalie answered. They carried us before as a favor, but if the king now insists that we can't pass with the umbrella, we must go back to the blue country or leave your umbrella behind us. We won't do that, said Button Bright indignantly. Can't we just fight the frogs? Fight? cried Trot. See how big they are? They could eat up our whole army if they wanted to. But just then, while they stood dismayed at this unfortunate position, a queer thing happened. The umbrella in Button Bright's hand began to tremble and shake. He looked down at the handle and saw that the red eyes of the carved elephant's head were rolling fiercely and sending out red sparks of anger in all directions. The trunk swayed from side to side, and the entire head began to swell and grow larger. In his fright, the boy sprang backwards a step and dropped the umbrella to the ground. As he did so, it took the form of a complete elephant, growing rapidly to monstrous size. Then, flapping its ears and wagging its tail, which was merely the covered frame of the umbrella, the huge elephant lifted its trunk and charged the line of astonished frogs. In a twinkling, the frogs all turned and made the longest leaps their powerful legs enabled them to. The king jumped first of all, and in a panic of fear the others followed his example. They were out of sight in an instant, and then the elephant turned its head and looked at Button Bright and at once trotted into the depths of the fog. I think he wants us to follow, said the boy, gasping in amazement at this wonderful transformation. So immediately they began marching through the fog behind the elephant, and as the great beast advanced, the frog scrambled out of his way and hid themselves in the moist banks until he had passed them by. Captain Bill had to mind his wooden leg carefully, and the old sailor was so excited that he mumbled queer sentences about Arabian Nights and ding-dong magic and foolishness of fussin' with witches and such until trot wondered whether her old friend had gone crazy or was just badly scared it was a long journey and all the pinkies were dripping water from their raincoats and their little fat legs were tired and aching when the pink glow showing through the fog at last announced the fact that they were nearing the pink country at the very edge of the fog bank the elephant halted winked at button bright lowered its head and began to shrink in size and dwindle away. By the time the boy came up to it, 
closely followed by Trot and Cap'n Bill, the thing was only the well-known magic umbrella with the carved elephant's head for a handle, and it lay motionless upon the ground. Button Bright cautiously picked it up, and as he examined it, he thought the tiny red eyes still twinkled a little, as if with triumph and pride. Trot drew a long breath. That was some magic, I guess, she exclaimed. Don't you think so, Rosalie? It was the most wonderful thing I ever saw, admitted the witch. The fairies who control Button Bright's umbrella must be very powerful indeed.